Greetings and welcome to P3, Politics, Pop Culture, and Potpourri, where we will discuss whatever's making news and not making sense. Let's see who's up, who's down, and most definitely out. From my perspective, a Southerner living in New York City, we will have serious discussions, humor, and a touch of ridiculous, just like life. Since we'll be spending some time together, let me let you know who I am, my point of view, and what has shaped me. I was born and raised in Columbia, South Carolina. Graduated the University of South Carolina with a degree in political science. I've worked in politics, education, and athletics. I left the South behind for the bright lights and big city of New York City. In New York, I've worked in fashion, party planning, event design, and that has shaped me for the better part of 10 to 15 years. I've lived in the Dominican Republic and traveled extensively. But last year, 2020 was pivotal for me with the death of George Floyd, Representative John Lewis, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. It was time for my voice to be heard for the disenfranchised. This fall, 2021, I'll be pursuing a, a degree, Master's in Public Administration from the Colin Powell School of Civic and Global Le Leadership at the City College of New York. I hope to use that degree to work with nonprofits, organizations who seek justice and do well. The past four years have left this country and frankly, this world in turmoil. It's time for us to get back on solid footing and solid ground. And I hope to be a little part of that. Let me set the agenda for what we'll be talking about on this podcast today and in the future. What grinds in my heart has always been and always will be politics. So today we'll discuss my winners of the week. And two people stood out as my winners. First is the President of the United States, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. And the second is Pennsylvania State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta, who's running for the United States Senate. They've had a fabulous week, and I'm going to tell you what. On January 20th, Joseph R. Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States. From day one, he's worked hard getting, getting the pandemic under control. He's introduced the $1.9 trillion stimulus package. He's at a town hall in Wisconsin. He introduced a new immigration plan and re-entered the Paris Climate Agreement just this week. I want to play you a little sound of him at the town hall in Wisconsin speaking about race, police, 
and how white supremacy plays a role in this country today. His words were fascinating and illuminating. Have a chance now, a chance now to make significant change in racial disparities. What can your administration do to address this complex and wide-ranging problem? It's complex, it's wide-ranging, and it's real. That is the greatest threat to terror in America, domestic terror. And so I would make sure that my Justice Department and the Civil Rights Division is focused heavily on those very folks. And I would make sure that we, in fact, focus on how to deal with the rise of white supremacy. It is a bane on our existence. It has always been, as Lincoln said, we have to appeal to our better angels. And these guys are not, and women are in fact demented. They are dangerous people. How can we be sure that we don't over legislate police officers so that they can't do their job to protect the law abiding citizens who live in these high crime neighborhoods? And yet trained officers to police with compassion. By number one, not defunding the police. We have to put more money in police work. So we have legitimate community policing and we're in a situation where we change the legislation. No one should go to jail for a drug offense. No one should go to jail for the use of a drug. They should go to drug rehabilitation. Drug rehabilitation. But here's the deal. There has to be much more serious, how can I say it, much more serious determination as to what the background and the attitudes of the recruit is, where what their views are. There should be much more psychological testing, like you would if you're going to the intelligence community. What is it? What are the things that make you respond the way you do? Because there is, there is inherent prejudice built into the system as well. I don't think we can look at our opportunity in the African American community for a minute in terms of the criminal justice system. That is only one small piece of why people are the way they are. You realize, I don't know what home you live in, but if you go ahead and you want to get insurance and you're in a black neighborhood, you're going to pay more for the same insurance I'm going to pay for the exact same home. Your car, you never had an accident in your car. You live in a black neighborhood, you're going to pay a higher premium in your car you're going to so there's so many things that are built in institutionally that disadvantage african-americans and latinos the reason i'm so hopeful is this new generation they're not like us they're thinking differently they're more open and we got to take advantage of listening to those words is fascinating from a president he has access to the bully pulpit to speak to the country and the world. The words of a president matter. The thoughts of a president matter. It's just fascinating, refreshing for us to be moving forward. And dare I say, it's nice to hear a president speak in complete sentences. 
this week coming up is very important too for the president and for the country. As Merrick Garland, his nominee for attorney general, his hearings began, and also for Xavier Becerra for Secretary of Health and Human Services. He'll be tackling the pandemic. Those hearings take place early next week and hopefully can be confirmed by the end of next week and we can talk about them here. The next person I want to bring up in politics is State Representative Malcolm Kenyatta of Pennsylvania. He is a fantastic young representative who's gonna take the country by storm if elected. He represents Philadelphia and has been mentioned on MSNBC and many other networks. And he's just going to do a fantastic, fantastic job. And the Democrat, Democrats request to expand their control of the Senate in 2022. Thursday, the representative entered the Republican, I'm sorry, the, the Democratic primary, as he will replace Republican Pat Toomey. The field also includes Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who announced last week. There are also some other Democrats who are also going to run or thinking about it. Connor Lamb and Chrissy Houlihan and Montgomery County Commissioner Val Arkush. After President Biden carried Pennsylvania in November, the Senate the, the Pennsylvania Senate seat is the number one pickup opportunity for Democrats in the country. The primary will take place next spring. Um, I want to play you a little clip of Representative Kenyatta, his announcement video, which was outstanding. like mine. I know what it's like to see an eviction notice, to work a minimum wage job. My first one was at the age of 12 working to support my family. My dad was a safety worker. No matter how hard they work, they struggle to make ends meet for me and my siblings. And unfortunately, my story isn't that unique. It's familiar to Pennsylvanians all across the Commonwealth. Working families from Philly to Erie, from Scranton to Johnstown, from Bethlehem to Uniontown are resilient and leaning on one another. Pennsylvania and America are at a crossroads. After four years of division and just over a month since a failed coup at the United States Capitol, we face the question of who we want to be as a country. But we also face a recognition what's been broken has been broken for more than four years. We have to answer the question at the heart of every campaign. Who should government work for? We need policies that actually speak to working families and lift them up. We have to choose. Are we going to go down the path of darkness? Or are we ready to bring a new day to Pennsylvania? A new day that demands we acknowledge how out of reach the American promise has been for too many of us. A new day where we confront head-on challenges in healthcare, in climate, in gun violence, in poverty. A new day where we don't just talk about justice, but we make it real in our lifetime. A new day where no matter who you are, who you love, how you worship, you get a fair shot. I'm Malcolm Kenyatta, and I'm running for the United States Senate. 
absolutely fantastic. Young progressives and the left should cheer for Malcolm Kenyatta. He has a tough road ahead in Pennsylvania, um, but um, I believe he can do it. And after what Stacey Abrams did in Georgia last cycle, I think he's going to take some of those those lessons, those plans, and apply them to Pennsylvania and talk to people who are hurting and who are looking for something new and fresh. Because I think Pennsylvania is looking for leadership. When you go into that voting booth and you check off, tick off the boxes of pro-choice, uh, gun control, uh, school choice, all of those things, before you tick off the box for those things, maybe the first question you should ask is, what kind of leader is this person? What kind of leader will this person be for me? Does he care about me? Does he care about my needs, my wants, and my dreams? That should be the first thing you should answer or ask when you go into that voting booth. We've talked about who is up. Now it's time to talk about who's out. My top three for these, this week are Texas, Texas, and for good measure, Texas. The three people I'd like to discuss on who lost the week are Governor Greg Abbott, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, and not Ted Cruz, because he's not worth my oxygen. It's just the Texas crisis in general. I don't have an issue with the people, the citizens of Texas who's gone through an extraordinary, terrible situation. I have an issue with Texas leadership. Failures across Texas's natural gas operations and supply chains due to extreme temperatures are the most significant cause of the power crisis that has left millions of Texans without heat and electricity during the winter storm sweeping the United States. From frozen natural gas wells to frozen wind turbines, all sources of power generation have faced difficulties during the winter storm. But Texans largely re rely on natural gas for power and for heat generation, especially during peak usage, experts say. Officials at the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, ERCOT, which manages most of the Texas grid, said the primary cause of the outages Tuesday appeared to be the nation's, the state's natural gas providers. Most are not designed to withstand such low temperatures on equipment during production. By most estimates, nearly half of the state's natural gas production has screeched to a halt during this extremely low temperatures, while freezing components at natural gas fired power plants and have forced some operations to completely shut down. Texas is a gas state, said Michael Weber, an energy resources professor at the University of Texas at Austin. While he said all of Texas's energy resources share blame for the power crisis, at least one nuclear power plant has partially shut down, most notably. The natural gas industry is producing significantly less power than normal. Gas is failing at the most spectacular fashion right now, Weber said. Most, most, more than half of ERCOT's winter gathering capacity, largely powered by natural gas, was offline due to the storm. An estimated 45 gigawatts, according to Dan Wolfen, senior director, 
director at ERCOT. The outages during the storm far exceeded what ERCOT had predicted in November for an extreme weather event. The forecast for peak demand was 67 gigawatts. Peak usage during the storm was more than 69 gigawatts on Sunday. It's estimated that 80% of the grid's capacity, or 67 gigawatts, could be generated by natural gas, coal, and some nuclear power. Only 7% of ERCOT's forecasted winter capacity, or 6 gigawatts, was expected to come from various wind power sources across the state. Wolfen said on Tuesday that 16 gigawatts of renewable energy generation, mostly wind generation, were offline, and that 30 gigawatts of thermal resources, which include gas, coal, nuclear energy, were offline. It appears that a lot of the generation that has gone offline today has been primarily due to issues on the natural gas system, Wolfen said during Tuesday with reporters. So, people out there, Fox News, Newsmax, it's not Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, it's not renewable energy, it's not the Green New Deal, which has not even been enacted anywhere. Texas, it's you. Texas leadership, it's you. You have to look in the mirror. You did this to yourself. When you prioritize money over people, this is what you get. Texas, it's time for you to look for new leadership. Texas has been under Republican leadership since 1996. Did you hear me? 25 years. Texas has been under Republican leadership. The Texas legislature has been under Republican leadership. So you cannot bring blame the left. You cannot blame Democrats for anything with failure with the power grid because you have to look in the mirror. It is up to you. Texas Governor Greg Abbott. I'm just going to have to exhale on that one. Blamed recent widespread power outages in his state on green energy and criticized the proposed Green New Deal favored by progressive Democrats. Abbott, a Republican, spoke to Fox News News's Sean Hannity on Tuesday and emphasized wind turbines in Texas that failed due to cold weather. Let me put a period on that. For the past 10 years, when wind turbines were constructed, Democrats have been saying you need to winterize and spend the money to upgrade them. But no, the Republican legislature said, no, 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 no. We don't want all this government regulation and oversight. And see, that's what you get. More than 4 million people were left without power or heat and freezing temperatures. Now there's his quote. This shows how the Green New Deal would be a would be deadly deal for the United States of America, saying that wind and solar energy make up collectively more than 10% of our power grid. That was the part of your power grid that was actually working, and that's from the Republican-controlled ERCOT, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas. 
yes, they were appointed by Republicans. And yes, controlled by Republicans. So it's just, it's an abject failure and they need to take responsibility for it. Because of all of the the situation going on in Texas this week, Congressman Dan Crenshaw might have slipped under the radar, but that's why I'm here. He has some deep thoughts about what ails the right-wing politics these days. There is, he says, too much performance rather than persuasion, too much grift, too much talking about fighting and owning the libs in the snarkiest of fashions. He wrote an article in the Daily Wire entitled, What It Really Means to Fight. And he makes the case for politics for reason and persuasion. He writes, politicians and pundits who scream fight are creating a conservative safe space, which will not only bring us to what we call real cultural and political progress. The dirty little secret, he continues, is that some of the influencer pundits who scream the loudest are getting or getting out and fighting are not in fact interested in real solutions. Rather, their dedication to the cause is based on monetary return. Continuing to feed the beast. The beast is especially hungry when it's angry. Lots of people were giving Crenshaw, you know, accolades for what he had written. But you have to sit down and think. Remember, you know who Crenshaw is. Remember, he was on Saturday Night Live a few cycles ago when he was uh, he was insulted, in quotes, um, because he has an eye patch. He was missing an eye because uh, he served in the military. And he went on and, you know, it was seen as a great thing about bipartisanship. They came together. Someone realized they said something wrong and apologized. He accepted their apology and they moved forward. And that was good. But what he wrote, it's good stuff. Unless you consider himself, he's one of the Trumpiest grifters out there. And it seems worthwhile to remember that he was the author of this epic meditation on fighting, was the same guy who just two months ago released Georgia Reloaded, an ad in which he portrays himself as an action figure who fights Antifa. The video goes on to show Crenshaw being escorted to a military plane. He later jumps out of the plane and parachutes into Georgia, landing on a car to fight men portrayed as Antifa activists. This is an ad uh, that, that was remade because he did the same thing and it's called Texas Reloaded. I think you can go to YouTube and you can Google it and you can find it. And it's, it's, just, it's just absolutely nuts. The hypocrisy of Texas politicians, especially Crenshaw, it's absolutely ridiculous. This seems to be his shtick, but it's Republicans. This, it's the house of hypocrisy. That's what they're being called now. Well, actually, that's what I'm calling them. GOP no longer. The house of hypocrisy.
that brings us to pop culture. My main focus would be the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Meghan and Harry. Buckingham Palace announced that they will not be returning as working royals as of March 31st of this year. They will be giving up their royal patronages, the military for Harry and the royal theater for Meg's. But with their archwell organization, charity and philanthropy will be at the center of their lives. This really is going to hurt Harry a little more because he served in the, with the British military and he was in Afghanistan and has really championed them with wounded warriors and such. So, but I believe uh, going forward with Archwell, he'll be doing a fantastic job with them. It kind of hurts me that his grandmother would do that to him, but living in that fishbowl, you can understand why he would, wants to move on with his family um, and with Megan expecting a new one. Also on Valentine's Day, the couple announced that Megan is pregnant with their second child, so Archie Mountbatten will have a little brother or sister. On a side note, Princess Diana announced on Valentine's Day that she was pregnant with Prince Harry back in 1984. The royals always do it full circle. And I really want to talk about Megan a little bit. She has been through a lot in the past three, four years, the changes she's gone through. And sometimes you never know what someone is going through. So now there's new light on that interview she did in Africa a few years ago with ITT. It was a fantastic interview, and you gain insight to how she was feeling. Let me play a little sound from that. Perhaps you could just give us an idea of what the last year has been like. Um... <laughs> I guess that's a where would you start question, but give it a go. It's it's uh, hard. Yeah, I don't think anybody can understand that. But I, I, in all fairness, I I had no idea, which probably sounds difficult to understand here. But when I um, when I first met my now husband, my friends were really happy because I'm so happy. But my British friend said to me, I'm sure he's great, but you shouldn't do it because the British don't really do it. And get it. So it's, um, yeah, it's been complicated. I've said for a long time to eat. Um, <laughs> um, it's not enough to just survive something, right? Like that's not the point of life. You've got to thrive. You've got to feel happy. And I think I really tried to adopt this British sensibility of a stiff upper lip. <laughs> it has its, you know, it has its I tried. Issues, I guess. really tried. Um, but I think that. What that does internally is probably really damaging. Um, and the biggest thing that I know is that I, I never thought that this would be easy, but I thought it would be fair. And that's the part that's really hard to reconcile. But um, just do think each day as it comes. That just goes to show you 
You never know what someone is going through. That brings us to corporate. I have a list of topics deserve further study that will disappear into the media news cycle in the next few days. Isn't it funny how something can dominate the news and all of a sudden be gone? Well, that's how pop culture is. So this list of things I call the great eight. So put these in your search engine or in your favorite entertainment sites before they disappear. Without further ado, my great eight for the week. Gorilla Glue. Trust me, you just have to see it to believe it. Cancun. The cruise memes and the Heidi text are a must read. Justin Timberlake. How many more times must this dude apologize? Just leave him alone. Dolly Parton. She might be the smartest woman in the history of entertainment. Book it. I said it. The Mars Rover. It's important, but I'd rather focus on getting things right, right down here on Earth. Serena Williams. She is the GOAT. She is the GOAT. She is the GOAT. She is the greatest athlete of all time. Fight me. And lastly, Paris Hilton's engagement ring. You have to see it to believe it. Imagine a piece of jewelry so stunning, even Elizabeth Taylor would say, damn girl. Thank you so much for joining me for my inaugural podcast. I look forward to many more great times with you. We'll have some surprise guests and some really cool interviews. So until next time, politics, pop culture, and potpourri. P3, out.